This will be a Thanksgiving episode, as this week we celebrate Thanksgiving here in the United States. So I'll be contemplating perhaps a different list of things to be grateful for. So here we go, episode 171, Giving Thanks. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. Well, it is Thanksgiving week here in the USA, so happy Thanksgiving to everybody who is celebrating that this week. And I thought that it would be nice to do a Thanksgiving-themed podcast episode, so that's what I'm doing. But, you know, as I as I sat down to, you know, think about what I was thankful for, which is sort of the normal thing to do at Thanksgiving... I mean, I could list lots of stuff. I do have kind of a robust gratitude practice. I often walk around saying, thank you, Mr. Bird. Thank you, Mr. Tree. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I, I do have a, I'd say a pretty good, healthy gratitude practice. But, you know, again, to use an occasion to sit down and really think a little more seriously, maybe about what I'm thankful for, and I could come up with a pretty good list. But something was feeling weird about doing it. Something about the idea of listing all the sort of wonderful things that I'm thankful for. And it started to, it started to feel a little, I don't know, like boastful, I guess, because I was thinking of like what I would broadcast to the world here on my little podcast. And it just started to not really feel right. Just go, and I'm thankful for this wonderful thing and that wonderful thing. And I'm just thinking about social media also and how, you know, people talking about how their lives are so wonderful and kind of picking out the most wonderful things to be thankful for and and how that can maybe cause some people to not feel so good. Not that I'm responsible for other people's responses, but there was just that kind of thought swimming in my mind. And, and so a little bit about that. And then a little bit about when I really sit down to write what I'm thankful for these days, it's not actually the wonderful things that are coming to mind. Because when I really look at what has made the biggest difference in my life? What are the things that have made the biggest impacts in my life? You know, the things that gave me a boost, that springboarded me or made me learn a big lesson, a life lesson, (laughs) or even the memories that I cherish the most. Often those things are connected with things that at the time, especially, I was not thankful for. I did not welcome them. I often was fighting them or resisting them or resenting them or feeling just generally not happy about it. 
Maybe I was even feeling like a failure because of them. And yet, for some reason, the universe pushed me through, or my best energetic self pulled me through, or I simply accepted and relaxed in the situation because I kind of had no choice. Or maybe I scraped and scratched and climbed and crawled my way through, covered in mud and blood and sweat and tears. For whatever reason, I came out on the other side. And I realized that that's where all the magic happened, or at least where it started happening, often not realizing it until much, much later with the wisdom and the perspective of hindsight. And it's because of this, <laughs> with age, hopefully is coming some wisdom, that I've learned that when things are not always going the way I want them to, or the way I would like them to, I now do my best to, okay, admittedly, after a short bout of pouting or stomping, I do, I do my best to kind of lean back away from the situation. And it's that leaning back just energetically to take that step, maybe physically too, take a step back, give yourself some space, time, distance, or just a shift of perspective, energetically lean back to see if I can somehow create this distant perspective, the same that I can look back at earlier times in my life and go, you know, that really kind of stunk at the time, but look what I gained from it. So I'm trying more now to be able to do that actually in the moment, just energetically lean back, step away, give myself some time or space, even just a moment. And to be able to then start seeing myself and to, to see myself in the situation, but even more, I want to see myself seeing the situation. <laughs> Does that make sense? You know, it's kind of like the, the advice that we can give others. When we see other people in a situation where they're not happy because it's not going their way, it's often so clear and so simple, right? We can see what they need. And we have the advice. So I'm trying to create this habit of leaning back just enough so I can see myself seeing the situation and maybe I can give myself the advice that I need. And maybe if I, <laughs> if I can bring myself far enough away from myself, that maybe I will listen to myself. <laughs> the same way we listen to trusted friends. So in general, I feel like a pretty fortunate person. There's, like I said, there's a lot that I can be thankful for. I do feel like many things have gone my way in life. And actually, in reality, I probably have about an average amount of good fortune. I've worked hard and plenty of stuff has not worked. I'm sure that I have walked past many opportunities, squandered plenty of them also. And yeah, I've jumped on a few opportunities too. But we don't really know <laughs> where we, you know, how do I gauge myself? How fortunate am I? I don't know. Compared to what? Compared to who? How do we really know after all? I mean, it's so easy to look at someone else and go, well, if I only had their stuff, if I only had their opportunities, but how do we know 
We can't really know. So trying to describe myself as a fortunate person or not fortunate person is kind of like, why am I even trying to do that? It is what it is. I've walked past opportunities. I've squandered some and I've jumped on a few and benefited. And the thing is, we can't ever really know what's a good opportunity or what's a good situation or a bad situation. And so I started to think about the, I think it's a Taoist parable. I've, I've heard this story told in, by many people in many situations and probably all coming from different sources, but it, it's the same story. And the one I know is a, a, a Taoist parable and it's about the Chinese farmer. Right? So, nutshell, a long time ago, poor Chinese farmer lost a horse. His horse ran away. And the neighbors came around and said, well, that's too bad. That's terrible. And the farmer said, maybe. And then a little while later, the horse returned and actually came back with other horses with him. Now he had like seven <laughs> horses. And the neighbors came around and said, that's great fortune. To which the farmer replied, maybe. And then the next day, the farmer's son was trying to tame some of these new horses and he fell off and he broke his leg and the neighbors came around and said, oh my gosh, that's terrible. That's really bad luck. And the farmer said, maybe. And shortly after the emperor declared war on the neighboring nation and ordered all the able-bodied men to come fight, many died or were badly maimed, but the farmer's son was unable to fight and he was spared because of his injury. And all the neighbors came around and said, well, that's really good fortune. To which the farmer replied, maybe. And you get it. The story goes on and on. Alan Watts uh, has said, the whole process of nature is an integrated process of immense complexity where we never know the true consequences. I can think of a couple horse stories off the top of my head that kind of echo that um, Taoist parable. I mean, I can think of when I had my first horse, Chessie, and I was in pony club and not at all interested in dressage. Uh, And uh, our pony club was invited to do a junior hunt. And some of you may have heard me tell this story already. Uh, But my little first horse, little sway back quarter horse, cross (laughs) something or other mutt of a horse Uh, he kind of had two speeds he had what I call his John Wayne trot which was this like really slow smooth little trot and then he had uh, cantering very fast (laughs) and he had not a whole lot in between those two things so when the first part of the hunt was an actual hunt and you know sniffing through the the woods and and going kind of slow and then the last part of it was a drag and that's the part where you know everybody just takes off galloping and off you go and uh, so my horse was really good in the woods and going around you know through the bushes and stuff Uh, but when it came to uh, the galloping part he just couldn't control himself and uh, I ended up passing the whole field (laughs) passing the huntsman, cutting through the the hounds. That's a big no-no. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I remember like looking down, I have both hands on one of the reins trying to turn him. I was exhausted. And uh, like he just was flat out, you know, taking off. And I'm like, oh, look, there's the hounds. I'm going right through the pack. Anyway, a huntsman had to uh, gallop up behind me and grab my horse and uh, <laughs> get me under control and do a little walk of, for me, a walk of shame to be led back up to the trailers where my mom and all my friends in pony clubs, mothers, uh, were sitting there watching and waiting. And uh, this huntsman handed handed my horse to my mom and said, take this girl for some dressage lessons so she can learn how to control her horse. <laughs> and uh, I was like, dressage lessons, gosh, that's the ultimate punishment, right? What kid wants to go do dressage lessons? So anyway, our pony club uh, went and booked some dressage lessons with a local trainer. And that trainer just happened to be, you know, international trainer and a pioneer in the United States dressage world, uh, Ann Gribbins. And although I didn't immediately start taking private lessons with her, it was at her farm. And that definitely set a, a circumstance in place where eventually with my second horse, she became my trainer and she's the one that would take me up all the levels. So this horribly kind of scary and very embarrassing moment uh, that you would think one would want to avoid um, ended up really changing the course of my life. I mean, who knows? Maybe my life would be different, better in some other way if that hadn't happened. I would have maybe not done horses and maybe gone on and done more illustration and it, it would have been fabulous and in a different way. But sitting right here with the life as I have, like, man, that was a really amazing, pivotal moment and I'm feeling very grateful that that happened. Another story that reminds me of this Taoist principle of the Chinese farmer is when my horse Solana um, got laminitis um, a bunch of years ago. Gosh, it's like uh, seven or so years ago now. And she didn't have any rotation, just a little bit. But when we got the inflammation down, um, it, it wasn't truly rotated. It, it went back. Um, but she was very, very lame and in the stall for a while. Um, but there became a point where um, we could do a little, you know, something. I could talk to her. And you know, in the meanwhile, even while she was still in a lot of pain, we spent a lot of non-demanding time together. I did little silly horse tricks and things that I could do to keep her engaged and keep her connected and keep her from feeling lonely, <laughs> you know, being in the stall there. So there was lots of creativity around fulfilling her needs for social interaction and, you know, some enrichment. Uh, but then as she became comfortable enough in the stall, I began doing um, some standing posture stuff or things with the posture and playing with um, the m movement dynamic of moving from a square halt to one step back or one step forward, or one step transitioning from forward to back or back to forward. Tiny, tiny little movements and stretches and um, body work, just my own hands. You know, getting, I didn't have to go take a course. I just put my hands on her and felt what I felt and followed the intuition. 
and connected with her. So um, after that, you know, well, doing that for a while, and then she became comfortable enough to kind of walk around the stall. And then from there, walking out in softer sand areas and playing with just a transition to the trot, just from the walk to the trot, just a step or two, and then back again, lateral positions at the halt, which is part of already my program, but practicing all of those. And at the end of all of that, coming out of it, and I can remember the first time able to kind of send her out online and let her move and thinking, oh my gosh, she's moving better than before. Like, how can this be? (laughs) She's been in a stall and she's moving better than before. And she's, you know, she's a horse I I bought a lot as an impulse and a curiosity based on her breeding because she's Kiger Mustang Andalusian Oldenburg cross. So I'm like, hmm, (laughs) I'm curious. (laughs) Uh, So, and because of her nature and her personality and her movement and her build, I I didn't really have high hopes for her for dressage. I was like, okay, we can do dressage to benefit the way she moves and maximize it. But, you know, I wasn't thinking, oh, here's my Grand Prix prospect. You know, I just liked her and we'll do dressage to help her. And, um, and she tended towards being a bit blocky and I'm not gonna say bracy, but blocky and maybe not as supple and sensitive (laughs) and flexible as some other horses. Uh, But the first ride that I had on her after months and months and months of recovering from the laminitis, the first ride was better than, than the last ride. I mean, she wasn't fit. I wasn't doing the same thing, but the feel, the balance, the posture, the dynamic between her and I was so much improved, so much improved. And, you know, that is a lesson that has repeated so many times now that I often say, and anybody who's been listening to me has probably heard me say this, that anytime you have a limitation placed on you or your horse, there is always, and I rarely use that word always, but there's always a benefit or at least the possibility of a benefit if you navigate it, if you navigate that situation with the kind of curiosity of, I wonder what the benefit could be. But I've seen that happen enough times with myself and my own horses and with students that when there's a limitation placed on you or your horse for whatever number of reasons, whether it's the footing in the winter or the spring, (laughs) or the summer, or the fall, or a health reason why you can't do the normal stuff you want to do. If you approach it with curiosity, you know, it's only, oh, that's a limitation. Maybe, (laughs) maybe there's a benefit hidden in there that you would never have found otherwise. So, With all that in my head, I'm sitting down to try to decide what should I be thankful for? And it all started to seem that the idea of making a list of things I'm thankful for started to feel very fluffy and irrelevant. (laughs) 
and thinking about the, oh my gosh, how do I know what to be thankful for and what not? Now this has gone from a very fluffy project to quite a deep one. So again, here I am trying to make a podcast about thanks or in honor of Thanksgiving. What am I going to give thanks to? Now I could just say, I'm thankful to be here. I'm just thankful to be here, meaning like alive. And I certainly am. Although I have a sense and through the ayahuasca that I've done, perhaps more of a glimpse into what it might be like to not be here. And, and actually it seemed kind of spectacular. Dr. Ellen Langer, who's a research scientist and an author who studies mindfulness, said that if you wake up and the first thing you think is how grateful you are that you're alive, it kind of implies that on some level you are expecting not to be alive. So how can you be thankful? Kind of, so the thankfulness is kind of like a veneer covering up um, a subconscious whole, whole thought of I don't think I'm going to be here. So (laughs) she said, instead of sort of subconsciously expecting to die, just so you can be grateful that you're not, to like let go of both of those things and just simply enjoy the moment. So I love that idea. Although I do know that sometimes an angel of death's reminder (laughs) can keep us mortal humans from taking things for granted. Anyway, in the spirit of all these sorts of musings going on in my head, I'm going to share the other list. I'm going to share the list of things. Well, it's a partial list, but the list of things that perhaps my brain wants to forget or wished never happened. The list of things that would tend to push aside when making our usual list of things I'm thankful for. (laughs) So this is a list of some mistakes and stuff I'm not proud of and things that didn't go my way. Things that typically I would maybe say that I wish hadn't gone the way that they did or hadn't happened. These are things that I was not in the moment, you know, feeling thankful for (laughs) at all. So at this point, I think I owe them an overdue nod of approval. And to move them off the bad list and onto the just stuff that happened list. I mean, moving forward, I think that's the only list I'm going to keep. And I can still celebrate wins and accomplishments and goals that I've met and be proud of stuff like that. It's not good or bad. It's certainly not better or worse than anyone else. And remember, all the consequences are yet to be determined for anything that we're doing. We can't know the consequences. They'll never fully be understood, even looking back. So here's my definitely not exhausted list of things that I'm thankful for. Hey everyone, a quick message to let you know about a really exciting limited time opportunity for learning at no extra cost. 
So now you've heard me rave about the Video Classroom. It's my video training library, and it's where you go to see this podcast in action with videos on pretty much everything that I teach. But for May, June, and July, we are going to be doing extra monthly live Q&A calls, and anyone who's in the classroom gets to attend at no extra cost. We've never offered this before, so it's a pretty cool opportunity. So this is such a great time to be able to speak with a real person, to get your questions answered, either about a particular video that you watched or a challenge that you're having with your horse. Now the video classroom, I think, is always the best deal. And for May, June, and July, it is going to be amazing. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash classroom and start your subscription today. There's always a one week free trial to check it out. Again, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom. Okay, now back to the pod. Thank you for the shyness, the awkwardness, and the feeling like a misfit much of my childhood. Maybe it caused me to deepen my connection with animals. Maybe. Thank you for my first horse who always went too fast and who fell into the wrong hands and I couldn't keep safe. Maybe that lesson caused me to train and teach others the way I do. Thank you for my second horse with the most uncomfortable trot who also refused to do, to do dressage too many days in a row, and it could buck like a champion bucker. I mean, maybe that's where I learned how to sit. Maybe. Thank you for the emotional loneliness as a child. Maybe that's what caused me to figure out how to understand and nurture myself, and so be able to be sensitive to it in others. Thank you for my obedience and fear to go against the rules that kept me in some situations for way too long. Maybe it taught me the dangers to one's soul of doing just that. Thank you for the horses that resisted. Maybe it's them that taught me that I don't know everything and that they have a right to protect themselves. Thank you for impatience and frustration Maybe seeing that acted out and the damage it causes to oneself and others has caused me to develop more compassionate and graceful ways of navigating things that don't go my way. Thank you for the things I had to work hard for. Thank you for the goals I didn't achieve. And thank you for the things I did poorly. Maybe they're what helped me be persistent and humble. And thank you for all the horse injuries and health issues. Each one has helped me care for the next horse even better. And thank you for my own injuries and health issues. Maybe they're what helped me remember to enjoy each day to its fullest. Thank you for all the relationships that broke and the people who left. Maybe each one of those helped me know myself and know I was complete by myself. And maybe that is the key to having healthier relationships now. Thank you for all the beings who've passed on, whose passing broke my heart in so many pieces. Maybe that's what broke it open so much wider than I imagined it could ever be. 
it feels like it holds much more love now than before. Thank you for everyone with two legs and four who has forgiven me. Maybe that's what helps me forgive other people. Thank you to everyone who is on my list of beings that I need to apologize to. So many horses are on that list. Maybe that is what has helped me learn and care and try to stop that list from growing too fast moving forward. And thank you for you, for listening. I mean, without you, I'm just like a crazy lady talking to a shiny box (laughs) all alone in my office. And I love hearing from you and playing with you, even if it's just through my videos and my programs, and I never really see you. So I hope you are able to enjoy all your moments or appreciate them. They don't have to pass a certain test or meet a criteria in order to be thankful for them. Maybe they're good. Maybe they're bad. Maybe we really can't know anyway. Maybe they just are. And we're just here to notice and move through them and keep noticing. Yeah, there's plenty to be thankful for because it's all worth being thankful for. So I'm going to share a a link to a song and a video that I just, I love so much. I think it's so beautiful and the lyrics are on it. So I'll put a link to that in uh, the show notes. It's called Mother of the Waters by Miski Taki. And I'm sure I'm saying that incorrectly, (laughs) but I hope you love it. And I know this is, well, it's, it's not, I was going to say it's a short episode. It's not short. It's not long. It's just the exact length it is. (laughs) And yeah, I hope you enjoy contemplating your list of what you can be thankful for the way I enjoyed contemplating my list. Thank you. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.